Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live, Duluth Edition. This is Father Richard Kunz, along with Deacon John Foucault, who is filling in for Cindy. I got the text from Cindy early this morning saying she was Very sick. early. So thank you, Deacon John, for coming in and uh, pinch hitting. So why don't we go ahead and start with a little prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us this morning, in a particular way, myself and Deacon John. Pray also in a special way that you are with our guests, that they may come to uh, show the light of Christ in our conversation, but most be with our listeners, that they may drew draw closer to Christ in this holy week and listen to the show. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, John, so snow is coming. Snow is coming. We're supposed to get some more. It started at 9 o'clock today. It's starting to flurry a little bit out there now. Like 9 o'clock today, is, it's past 9 o'clock. We are at 9 o'clock right now, okay. 9 one You're correct. Yeah, yes. so I mean, I was saying off the air is that this is like today, Tuesday, I filled my schedule. The busiest day of all Holy Week for me was today. And it all and, gets canceled. And everything got canceled. And so it's like, now all of a sudden I got the, like, the easiest day going on. It's like I was par- not paranoid. But well, you could use that once in a while. Today. No, I know. Yeah, I know. So I might just nice go home break for you. put on my pajamas. Yes. No, Comf- I call them comfy pants. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. No. Anyhow, so we let's go right to our guest because let's she's been that. sitting there waiting. So Monica Hannon, welcome Monica to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you so much for having me. So Monica, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am the managing editor and the main anchor at uh, KFYR-TV, which is an NBC affiliate in Bismarck, uh, and I have been there for, oh gosh, 35 years on the 1st oh. of April. Long time. Uh, and so I am. I also am on the board of directors of an organization called the uh, Tepeyac Leadership Initiative, which is based in Phoenix. I spent a lot of time doing that, uh, and that is... An, um, uh, attempt to get lay young people into leadership roles in the church, uh, in, in the church, but outside the church as well. That's a cr- incredible. So, how, when you start off in the um, uh, media there in Bismarck, did you, what did you start off just as a news reporter or, or an anchor? Well, I, this wasn't my first job, so I, I started out here as an anchor, uh, as a noon anchor, and I think I've anchored every single show at the station except maybe the early morning ones. Wow. Uh, before that, I was in Idaho, and and I actually started in Williston uh, for one year. So, so you're pretty recognized in uh, in Bismarck, I suspect. I think it's I would, probably safe to say that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, Monica, you had mentioned that you were working to get uh, young lay individuals into leadership positions in the church. Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. more about that. Well, it's actually it's getting lay people into leadership positions in the community so that they can help to evangelize. I, I guess I believe, and the organization also believes, that uh, we evangelize in the way that we live and, it, and where God puts us. So uh, that's kind of the whole idea, but it's forming young Catholics in their faith so that they are really familiar with, uh, you know, for instance, uh, the role of the magisterium, uh, versus, uh, you know, what you might what you might have learned, for instance, in your in your education, uh, you know, to, to so that you really have a deep understanding of your faith, and then you live it by getting into leadership roles. You can influence society. That's kind of the main idea behind it. 
tell us a little bit how you, how what programs do you have that are encouraging them to get into the leadership roles, or what type of opportunities are you seeing them embrace? Well, uh, TLI is a five-month program, and then you're done with it. So basically what they do is they bring in uh, business leaders from all over. It's the uh, evening classes uh, that you do online, thanks to the pandemic kind of moved online. Um, they found me on LinkedIn uh, as a member of the media and thought that, that I would be good to speak to the class. And after that, then they asked me to be on their board of directors. And so um, what I have learned in that time, and it hasn't been a long time, but what I've learned in that time is that they encourage board membership. So, for instance, if you're on the school board, the public school board, and they're going off in a direction that you feel is, is just morally uh, wrong, you can speak up because you have a good foundation. Uh, it's, it's not really about... It's not really about being, you know, knowing everything so much as it is influencing the conversation that you're in. I love, I love that, Monica, because, you know, all it takes is like five people or six people on a board to make something go wrong, right. really wrong and really bad. And so mm-hmm. I love the concept of that. So I, I did have one question just really quick. It's like the, the whole Masters of Theology and News Anchor thing. How did that all jive and what came first? Well, the news anchor thing came first because the theology degree is fairly recent. What happened was I, my father was, uh, there's a little bit of a story here, but my father was afraid of dying. He was ill, and he was afraid of dying, and I, he wouldn't talk about it. His fear was so deep that he wouldn't talk about it. But I knew that if I wrote a book about it, he'd read it. So I <laughs> uh, did a lot of research with priests and uh, hospice workers, uh, people, you know, ministers, people who work with the dying, and then I wrote a book about it. Uh, and the book, unfortunately, my father passed away before the book was finished, so he didn't have a chance to read it, but then the the book kind of surrounds his story. Uh, But after having written that book, and, it, you know, it did moderately well, uh, it's been a few years now, I was asked to do a lot of speaking uh, on death and dying, and I did not want to make a mistake in terms of, Catholic theology, when people would ask, they would come up to me and ask me questions after my, my presentations that I, I wasn't really sure of the answers. And so I just decided that I would probably need a deeper foundation. So I, I, uh, I, I was on Formed, you know, as so many people are, listening to Formed podcasts and that sort of thing. So then I ended up enrolling at the Augustine Institute. So that, it's actually been fairly recent, like in the last seven, eight years. The topic, no. the topic could not be more important. You know, as a priest, I've, well, priests we deal with death all the time, but it's when it seems like death is catchy these days. It's it's very ever present around here in Duluth, and and so the importance of dying well, right? I mean, if you want to get that message mm-hmm. to your dad, you know, I mean, it was a uh, Robert Saint Robert Bellarmine who said, you in order to die well, you first have to live well, and so there is an art to dying well. So, uh, um, did you address any of that sort of thing in the in the book that you wrote? Yes, it's it's called a uh, gift of death, which is a little scary. Uh, but then the the subtitle is a message of comfort and hope, and it, it is it, we're so afraid of death generally. But what I provided was a lot of comfort and also uh, talking to religious who were able to kind of put some of those fears to rest that you're dying is a you know is a natural part of life, and that if you are ready, you don't need to approach it in fear. And I, I just tell a lot of stories of people uh, who've had near-death experiences or who have gone on to die. My father's death was a beautiful story also. 
uh, you know, despite the fact that he was frightened. Uh, in the end, it was a beautiful experience, and uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it's natural to approach death with fear, uh, but I think the more you know about what's going to happen, the more you know about your faith, I think that that really helps. It, it certainly helped me, because I realized in writing the book that, um, you know, it started out as, as being about my father, but then I realized, actually, I was facing my own fears. Mm-hmm. Well, I was so, going to mention that the book has to be good for not just the individual dying, but their loved ones as well, to help them understand exactly. what that person's going through, what they may go through at some point in time in their life, but also give comfort as the uh, surrounding loved ones as this process is taking place. Right. One of the big questions that I received before I got my theology degree was, well, you know, how do I know that my loved one is in heaven? I'm, I'm really worried about them. I, I'm, I'm really concerned. And, uh, you know, and some of the, the priests, and and religious that I talked to really helped with that question. Yeah, one of the very uh, comforting. One of the um, uh, just really quick. I bring this up in funeral homilies on a regular basis. Is that Saint Therese, the little flower? She, when she was dying, they, they actually the sisters actually wrote down her like final words that she was saying for the whole time she was sick. And they made a book mm-hmm. on it. It's called The Final Conversations. And one of the sisters asked her uh, if she was afraid to die, and she was upset at the te- at the other sister. She said. She said, why would I be afraid to die? Death is nothing more than the soul leaving the body. That's all it is. And, and I've used mm-hmm. that a lot in funerals. If we view death as nothing more than the soul leaving the body, then it, it kind of makes it okay. And, and you know, if I live right, it's going to leave the body for the right place. And so to, to take that fear out of death, you can never take it all out. But right. I just thought Teresa's, St. Teresa's uh, response to that was really quite well. Quite good. And for somebody well, whose loved one is dying, it's the the getting over the grief of missing them as they're no longer sure, here. Sure. Understanding they're going to the next life, but it's the, the loss of the time that they no longer yeah, have. What, what were you going to say, Monica? There? Yes. No, I was just going to say that it, it in doing the research, I was able to really, I mean, I do not fear death in the, in the way that uh, I did before. I mean, obviously, what you fear is you don't want to be sick, but... Death itself, to me, is actually kind of, it actually feels like a little bit of an adventure. Yeah. Uh, you know, to see what, you know, to, to go on to the next thing. It's, it's, it's going to be so interesting. Especially the way the world is these days. It's like, bring it on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So you, you've, uh, okay, so death, but you've written more than one book, right? Well, yes. I, uh, years ago, I wrote a book um, that was a biography of Patrick Atkinson, who's the founder of the Gottschall Project, and it's actually based in Minneapolis now, but um, he grew up here in, in Bismarck, and I got to know him. Uh, he actually grew up in the house next door to the house that I was living in, mm. the small community. Mm. Um, and so I spent some time in Guatemala, and that's where the, it, it, it was Guatemala's largest uh, private charity. And uh, I spent some time there and learned about his life. That book was quite successful, did really well, um, and it's still selling. It's, it's, uh, it's called The Dream Maker, um, but I wrote it as a, to help the, the project, and um, I, I think it has. So I feel, I, feel, <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. That's been, that's been a few years now. Do you, do you have any plans of writing more? I mean, usually when somebody writes a book, then it kind of like snowballs. Leads to others, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I've been working for years now on a, a sequel on the um, gift of death. I don't know. You kind of got the pandemic sidetracked me like everybody else. And mm-hmm. so um, I have not finished that, but I, it's, it's, in the, it's in the almost ready to write it stage. Uh, 
Well, if you if you quote Saint Therese, you have to give me credit. Yes, and he'll I watch for that. that. No. And, and and I will I'm watch for that. For yep. Yes, yeah. he will. <laughs> um, so, Monica, how do you navigate the current media climate as a as a strong, faithful Catholic, and how how do you overcome the challenges with the the news media that we see out there that is so filled with the untruths and the the tactics that they want us to believe that you know um, what they believe is right when we know it's wrong. Right. I think two things. One, young people coming out of school. We know, first of all, the 24-hour news cycle has allowed a lot of opinion to creep in. My job as the managing editor is to make sure that that bias does not creep in. That that means that I'm not going to try to influence the news in with my beliefs, but I'm not going to let anybody else influence it either with their beliefs. And so that means, you know, you have to... Oh, maybe we just lost her. Okay, Monica dropped. Well, I mean, that's actually... We're, we're going to be going. Why don't we? Why don't we take that break? So we'll just take a quick break now, and we'll try and get Monica back on the line. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Let us run to Mary and as her little children cast ourselves into our arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. For me, it was just a question of, okay, put aside all of your preconceptions, your Protestant judgments, and and come to it with an open mind. And once I did that, I started to recognize there was a whole bunch of scripture, as, as a Protestant scripture was the bellwether for everything, that I had never looked at the way the Catholics did. In fact, I think there were scriptures that I had felt like I'd never even seen before. I'm like, what? Where did that come from? And uh, so then as, as the fog was lifted, I think the biggest thing that happened for both of us is that we recognized we no longer had to have all of the answers. There was a magisterium in place, and I can spend my entire life living contentedly in the Catholic faith and never stop learning and never have to have all the answers because the church has them. And if I have a question, I can find it out. The Catholic faith brought us complete peace. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning again. This is Father Richard Kunz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth with Deacon John Foucault. We've been talking to Monica Hannon who is a, a managing editor in Bismarck uh, for um, 
the NBC affiliate. Is that correct, Monica? Did I get that right? 35 years. Okay, 35 yes. years. So yes, uh, right before the break, we were talking to you about how to navigate as a Catholic through the crazy climate of the media today. And and uh, um, uh, you were just answering that, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity to get back on that before um, after we uh, lost the call for a, a moment. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I think I navigated by, and this is how you, you would have to navigate it, to be fair, by remaining fair and unbiased, because that's good journalism. That's what you're trained to do. Uh, these days with the 24-hour news cycle, our national press have tended to fall on one side or the other, especially the other. So it's no longer mm-hmm. truly neutral. I've found young people coming out of education, the education system in this country, tend to believe that what they believe is reality. In other words, they have trouble understanding there, there are two sides to every story. A big part of my job is making sure, as the managing editor, that bias does not creep in. Well, and that's yeah. the main thing that I've noticed in the last, I'd say, five to ten years, is that uh, they, they don't understand uh, non-bias. We all have biases, but the, when the bias is fed in their education, then it's almost impossible to get away from that bias. Mm-hmm. It is, so, because that yeah. becomes their truth. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, so here's a maybe an expert question from you being the expert. If you watch the media today and on any type of network, any type of media, is the, what's the closest program, would you say, that is non-biased? I mean, I, you know, I just want to get the news. And, yeah. and so for listeners out there, I just, I just want the news. I don't, I don't want their opinion. What is there? Is there any one that sticks out that's like, okay, I think this is a pretty straight news program? Well, if... This is certainly the I, I would uh, I would say that this is the case here. I would go with the local news. Right. Un- unfortunately, you've got bias on. I no matter who you're listening to, they are mm-hmm. trying to. It seems to me that they're trying to influence you, and so and it depends on the individual program. So I really don't feel comfortable saying, "Well, watch this or watch that," because yep. as soon as you do, <laughs> you right. might find that somebody whose opinion is is different from yours. I think also as as journalists, it's really important to. Uh, to really understand your faith. And that way you can understand when you're being led down a particular road. Young people in in school believe their teachers. Mm-hmm. And if their teacher has a particular bias, that becomes, they internalize that. Is if you, if you have a good foundation in your faith, uh, you're it's, going to yeah. be able to recognize that, hopefully. It's, it's actually really scary because you see, you know, this hits the news every, what, every month or two where some... Uh, "Quote unquote conservative person is on some campus, and then all these people walk out. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. these cam- these campuses that are supposed to be places of free speech and uh, an exchange of ideas become anything but. And so what that right. what that to me, I think that's always been in upper education, but it's scary how prevalent it is now because it makes me wonder what's it going to be like in twenty years or thirty years Five because years. that whole idea of you know death is a welcome thing it's like i kind of welcome it because i don't want to be here for the for that to see what's yet to come exactly because on the mm-hmm. campuses there is no uh discussion of differences of opinions if you have a different opinion you are cast out and there there's no opportunity to actually talk so so what are your thoughts on that monica in regards to that idea of, of what's the future looking like in your industry in particular well i do i agree that you are demonized on campus if you if you take a an alternate view and I, it also frightens me, and all I can say is, um, as those of us who were trained in the old school, um, it, we're becoming fewer and fewer. It's, it's kind of a, mm-hmm. You're kind of a, playing a gatekeeper role. And so the only thing I can say is that 
somebody needs to realize that it's happening and go in there and stop it. Well, that, that I, goes I don't back know to, how that would happen. That goes back to your initiative of getting the individuals into leadership positions with strong faith positions and being willing to stand up at that board meeting and say, this is not correct. Right, because you, you, that is scary to do that. It's, it it's is. frightening. But if you're alone, it's very hard. But, I mean, obviously we all have an obligation to evangelize where we are, right? So for reporters, in my view, that means taking the time to know their doctrine, be well-formed in the faith. I mean, we all have opinions, but unless we know why Catholics believe what they do, it's really easy to become confused. If we believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding the magisterium, for my money... I'm going to go with centuries of Catholic Christian understanding. Amen. Yep. Yeah, so, okay, so now, how long, I mean, do you, not being in Bismarck, I don't know, how, how long, are you, are you still doing anchoring or not? Yes, I anchor the 5, 6, and 10. Oh, okay, all right. All right. As so, the managing so, editor as well, wow. So here's, here's a question yes. I have for you, is that, that when you, um, uh, even when it's a local news story and it's something like maybe what we might even call abhorrent to our faith, and you have to report that, the challenge of reporting it in a very neutral fashion has got to be somewhat challenging, just even in the tone of what you're saying and how you say things. Well, I don't, I don't like it, and I, I feel that, uh, you know, and I have been on the, on the opposite side of management in some of the stories that we have reported, not often, but occasionally, uh, when it comes to, you know, everybody, everybody has runs into bias in certain ways, and. And so what somebody might see as a great investigative piece, you might see as um, something that is actually um, slanted toward, you know, you, your view is slanted, you know, and, and you, can think of, you can think of these topics, I'm sure, you know. Um, uh, for instance, the abortion issue comes up a lot, and, you, you know, you have to report on it very, in a very neutral fashion. You have to give both sides of the story and not slant it one way or the other. It can be difficult because people will call you to, um, I, I want you to cover this protest or that protest. And, you know, you have to, you have to treat them both the same. But so, I, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're the guest. <laughs> I want, go ahead. What are you saying? <laughs> but I, I think that, that by being visible in your faith, and that's a lot of what TLI is about, is being visible. You know, for an example, we have a, a meteorologist, a young meteorologist who on Ash Wednesday, um, Wore you know wore ashes on his forehead mm-hmm. while he while he did his show that evening, you know, and I couldn't have told you uh, how many of, of the people in my newsroom were Catholic. I did not know that evening. Six or eight of them had ashes on their forehead because it mm-hmm. suddenly became acceptable to do that, and I I think that's a subtle way uh, of influencing those around you that it's okay. It's okay to have mm-hmm. this faith and to believe it and and to to put yourself out there. And kudos so, for him to I mean, step up and do that, because I know a lot of individuals would go receive their ashes, and in the workplace, wash off, they yeah. wash them off after Mass, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to be honest, in, in years past, I have done that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I don't think I would now, but I, I have in the past. One of the one of the um, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit that I think is most lacking, this is one of my drumbeats as of late, is the... Um, the the virtue of fortitude, and I suspect that you know just citing your your um, uh, your weather guy there meteorologist that took a level of fortitude. And I suspect in other aspects of the media, even for your job as managing editor, fortitude has to be ever present. Mm-hmm. I would say that that probably is 
true because we do live in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. And so to go against that uh, does take a certain amount of courage. And um, it's harder, I think, for younger people to mm-hmm. do that than it is for, you know, I mean, I'm close to retirement. So <laughs> quite honestly, people accept me for who I am here because I've been here forever. Could you, but could I you, think that when I was younger, that would have been hard. Could you explain exactly what a managing editor does? What's your role there? Well, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of the content, uh, you know, insofar as I can see it. Obviously, I don't see every single thing that goes through, but I try to read everything before it goes on the air. So that's uh, that's, 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 even, that's even harder than being the anchor, I would suspect, because you're the one that's basically writing the script for the anchor. Well, you are or the approving, anchor. approving, yep. yep. Right, approving it. I don't write it necessarily, but yes, I go through it. I make sure that it's... Um, and bias is a big thing. I mean, that's, that's a big thing where I go through, and, and management wants me to do that. Obviously, we... I would like to think that we have a reputation for for being neutral in a, at a time when when the media is not. Um, but that's my that's the main role that I, I play in in the newscast, other than delivering it. So, so Monica, yeah. what advice would you give to Catholics who are seeking uh, position or seeking to work in journal journal can't say it journalism, journalism. or the media? Because um, there's a lot of individuals, young people coming out of college. What advice could you give to them? Well, I would say if if this is really what you want to do, uh, and you are, your faith is important to you, again, I, I keep going over this, but you need to really educate yourself. Not everybody's going to have a master's degree in theology, but if you aren't well formed in your faith, you know, you may go to church every Sunday, but really not understand why Catholics do what they do. I think it's really important for all of us to get to know why we're doing what we're doing, especially because there's, you know, there's divisions in the church as well, and you need to know which side you're going to fall down on. Um, and so and th- that would be my main thing. And then after that, um, I, I would say stick to your guns. If, if you have a, a strong belief in something, don't let other people talk you out of that just because it's popular in society. What, how, does, how does cancel culture factor in? Because I mean, we talk about fortitude and stick, stick to your guns. People are afraid of that cancel culture thing. And anything that you could have said on social media a long time ago, what would you say to, what would you say to somebody just coming onto the scene and doing what you're doing right now in regards to how do they navigate that part? Well, I would say that uh, you're probably better off not saying whatever it is that you're saying on social media. And really your best bet is to, <laughs> this is, if you want to have a career in journalism, you have to at least, you know, you have you, you really do need to cultivate that non-bias. And so you're not evangelizing with words, in my opinion. You're evangelizing through how you live your life and by being visible. But you're not trying to influence the news with it because that's not your job. Right. There's, I mean, there's lots of studies that have showed, you know, I mean, throughout the number, 95% of people that are in the news media are liberal Democrats and only 4% are conservative and, and 1% is like neutral. And so, I mean, th- there is, in, in your line of business, you are the minority, aren't you? Oh, yes, it, it is true. Well, it's because they come out of school thinking that mm-hmm. they their truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, while, while I feel that my truth you know, is important to me, I'm not going to let that creep into, or try not to let it creep in. But it does influence, you know, you, you have to understand that in the media, it, what people choose to deliver influences uh, the message. So um, you, what you decide to put on your show, like, for instance, if you have a whole bunch of stories on that have to do with controversy in the church, 
and you take a you know you do a bunch of negative stories you you can influence in that way and uh, so as a managing editor i try to keep that out but you need to be aware that that happens i think you really hit it hard in regards to having a strong foundation in our faith so many people talk about going through the motions in their faith versus understanding their faith and we need to make sure that we're catechizing the young individuals and young professionals as well so that when they do come into controversy and they are are at a position of a debate if you will in regards to the theology of the church if they are not strong in it and being able to justify their position on it they're not going to try to justify it they're just going to step back from it and they're going to feel um, lesser of an advantage in regards to being able to do that going forward to the next time. So that strong foundation, the understanding of our faith, of why we believe what we believe, is so important for anybody at any age, and beginning from the very youngest to, you know, more senior adults as well. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. So, so um, uh, Monica, we're towards the end of our segment here. Do you have any final thoughts, any final words that you want to throw out there in regards to your role and how do we live our Catholic no, we just lost her again. Lost her again. Okay, well, that was um, uh, that wasn't actually in, uh, Monica, Fantastic. if you're still listening on the air, uh, thank you. You're a great guest, and you bring forth a lot of things that I think in all forms of uh, media that people need to hear, not all media, but all forms of life, all walks of life. Yes. We have to speak the truth, and we have to be willing to, to have that fortitude and, and show our faith and live our faith out And so, uh, in, the, in the public sphere. And so... Uh, again, we're uh, I'm uh, Father Richard Kunst along with Deacon John Foucault, and we've been uh, talking to Monica Hannon in regards to her work as the Catholic news anchor in Bismarck and keeping her Catholic faith. And we'll continue our great program after this very brief break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 